Hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi. hi there. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome your backup plan tribe to this week's podcast. We went live for a change with Bobby Hedgeland Taylor from Queens, New York today. So welcome, Bobby. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So if you guys are new here, welcome to our channel for your backup plan tribe. My name is Tina Ginn. I am an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author, a financial expert, and an app developer of your backup plan app. And I'm located here in Vancouver, BC. And you can't see the snow behind me today, but it is snowing. It's our second snowfall. And we BCers do not like snow, okay? We don't like it cold and we probably prefer the rain, but anyways. Um, we post step-by-step -step tutorials on our channel, sometimes current events in the news, tips and tricks from our interviews. Um, and I know we'll have some tips and tricks from Bobby this week. <laughs> on our interview and whatever else I feel like posting. I interview real life people each and every week with the real life story um, on our podcast every week. So be sure to hit that subscribe button down here in the uh, red subscribe button on your right. Tap on that bell so you get notified when things get uploaded. Give the video a thumbs up perhaps share it with your friends and family. Your backup plan app puts your life all in one place in preparation of any unpredictable circumstance while taking the painful aftermath out of any tragedy. And on our podcast this week, I want to welcome Bobby Hedgeland Taylor. He's from Queens, New York. He is inspirational. He's writing a book. He has so much to tell us about COVID, going through COVID in 2020, and he has so many fun things talking about Broadway, talking about, well, you name it, I'm sure he can tell us. So welcome, Bobby. Thank you for coming on to our podcast this week. Oh, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's great. I, I love Canada. <laughs> I, I, I performed in Montreal and Toronto, so I you know my performance life was was uh, was visiting those those cities, and I, I do I do love uh, I do love my Canadian neighbor to the north. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I love snow. I don't care about any any. I love the snow. We have we had a lot of snow here. We have snow coming tonight. Um, so, for me, I was raised in the mountains. So, uh, just to give you some back backstory, um, I'm Italian. Believe it or not, my great grandfather um, he was a junk dealer, and oh. he turned trash into treasure. And so, with his treasure, he bought a plot of land on the top of a mountain in Pennsylvania and settled there. He was also the father of 13 children and those 13 children settled around him. So on the top of this mountain, it was like the Italian Iannis port um, <laughs> with, with uh, my relatives and, and their families and their families. So the entire mountain that I grew up on was my relatives. I never had a neighbor who wasn't a relative until I moved to New York and you knock on the door and it's not Aunt Jenny across the, across the hall. It's a totally different person. Um, so uh, the, it, because everyone's Italian and everyone's related, it got the nickname Ravioli Mountain, and in and my named my book Escape to Ravioli Mountain, a memoir in food. And basically, what I did was take those memories from growing up on a small family farm on the top of that mountain, and moving to New York and experiencing life, but going back to all the crazy stories that. Uh, that happened uh, growing up on a small family farm and all the recipes that came from Sicily through uh, every relative that I had, um, including my mom, my dad, my, my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles. Um, so there's a little bit of everything in there. And um, yeah, so nice. that's a little bit, a little about me. <laughs> And I hear that you make a wonderful cocktail as well. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. So, so in my book, I, I I have a whole chapter of infused alcohols. You can infuse any flavor, almost any flavor, into alcohol. 
So this week I finally finished the recipe. I tested it, I, I tested it out and I'm actually gonna make the cocktail for myself today. But it's a peanut butter cup martini with peanut butter vodka and homemade cream de cacao. So oh, it's delicious um, and it's in the book. Um, and it actually is something I learned later in life. It didn't come from the mountain. We, we, made, we made different kinds of alcohol up there. <laughs> so um, we made things like tomato wine and, and uh, we did have a grapevine that was 60 feet long and went up a giant tree as well. Um, so my mother would make things like grape jelly and wine. And, you know, we had this, we just had this amazing, uh, my mother, my mother was one of the first organic um, farmers because I never heard of a fertilizer until you know I didn't hear of a fertilizer or any kind of an, uh, um, insecticide because we never used anything. My mother used only natural stuff, and it wasn't called organic back then. So um, when I look back at it, I'm like, well, you know, we used chicken manure, <laughs> you know, that's how we fed the garden. And we used different, um, planting different flowers around the garden to keep pests away pests. Yeah. And, and deer and, um, and groundhogs and things like that. You plant things like marigolds and garlic um, in, in a complete circle around the, the, the garden to protect it. So it was very interesting. It was a very interesting upbringing and, um, you know, uh, Pennsylvania and, 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 you know, the, the winters were very rough. So we would have to live on whatever the garden gave us throughout the year that we could can, uh, freeze. Uh, and then, um, you know, unfortunately we did have some livestock, so we would have to, you know, have the, uh, have meat in the freezer. And also it was very much a hunting town and there was a lot of venison and bear and turkey and you know all things that we um got from the land and that was different it's different now and um uh, i i'm a little more i have a little more respect for um where my food comes from not yeah. that i'm a vegan or anything like that but not that there's anything wrong with the vegans out there i love you um i have great vegan recipes just so just to, i make the best vegan bacon seriously oh. It's made with shiitake bake. It's shiitake mushrooms. It's in my book as well. Um, so that's another spin in my book too. I took some traditional recipes and I made them all have a vegetarian option or a vegan option. And I really delved into what other diets were like. And I know not everyone can have my bol my grandma's bolognese sauce, but there's other things you can put into it to make it have the same texture and flavor as a regular bolognese. Um, and, uh, I use a lot of, of that in my cooking in general, cause I, I try to limit as much of the meats that I eat. Um, but the book came out of a place of sadness. Um, in March of 2020, I lost my mom to COVID. She died on March 21st of COVID. Um, and I say of COVID, but we never had a, she never had a COVID test there. We were so early in the pandemic that and they weren't really giving a lot of tests to uh nursing homes at that time um but she had what some <laughs> what's that i don't think we knew what those tests were in february no, no really. we really didn't and um and uh she died on march 21st and on march 22nd i woke up with 104 fever because i had it as well mm. so grieving the loss of my mom uh and not being able to be with her uh, for a, a week, basically, uh, the, we had, the city shut down on March 11th as far as visitations to nursing homes. And on March 10th, I got a call from the nursing home. Mom had been to the ER. She was feeling better. And something just said, stop by and see her because you just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how crazy this virus is. So I stopped by and that was the last time I saw her. And uh, I got to sit with her with the, at the nurse's station and I took pictures. And my mom was a character. So she always made me laugh and she always encouraged laughter no matter where she was. Even when she was grumpy, she could, she, I, I could make, if, if she was grumpy, I could make her laugh and she'd be, she'd snap out of it and vice versa. Um, and then, um, so dealing with COVID at that time too, it ramped up so quickly in New York. We had refrigerator trucks outside of every funeral home and every hospital. We had makeshift morgues that were built outside of the hospital. I watched forklifts put bodies into trucks because I 
live near a funeral home. And because my mom died right at the peak of the pandemic, um, that's probably where she was before she was cremated. I didn't get her ashes back until about six weeks later um, because the crematoriums were backed up. All of the funeral homes had notes on the door. Don't come in. We don't have space. You know, try somewhere else or... Um, and, you know, then it just started to get worse and worse. And every time I went to the supermarket, I would pass the, the refrigerator trucks. And then we were waiting outside of a supermarket for up to two hours to get in. Um, not only because it was, there was only 10 people allowed, but you only had 30 minutes in the store. You had to get your stuff and you had to leave. They did not want anybody uh, standing around. But we literally would wait for for up to upwards to two hours to get into a just into a, a grocery store. Um, they had no chicken soup. I don't know why, but the everything all the all the soup aisle was gone. Everything I found like noodles and pasta was gone and gone. The strangest weirdest things. Yeah, I, I, when I did find um, noodles, anything like that, I would find anything I could freeze. And anything I could put um, on on the shelf, and then I had one of those styrofoam coolers in my in my spare room, just in the back bedroom, just just storage. So I grabbed that and I started filling that with canned goods and pasta and anything that just in case they shut down the supermarkets, yeah. I could have meals prepared. Um, again, you just you never no no one ever thought that New York would be in that state in a war zone it literally was a war zone we would hear and i live on a on a street that is the thoroughfare to the hospital and literally every 20 minutes you would hear an ambulance from march through may it was 24 hours a day you would hear an ambulance going by you would see ambulances stopped at houses and then you'd see the the person or or a body being taken out um it's I, f I felt like I have a lot of PTSD that is still not processed because it happened so quickly. We yeah. had a, you know, we, we had no time to prepare. Um, we literally had a weekend to, you know, before that, the, you know, the city was like shelter in place. Don't go anywhere if you don't have to wash your hands. This thing is dangerous. And um, so, so yeah, so, and then I got sick and it was terrifying because it's not only losing grieving the loss of them of your your parent but it's also oh my god i'm next was yeah. the thought in my mind well yeah because you don't know where it's gonna go yeah so no if you could turn time back to that time what would you have liked to have done would you have wanted to be with your mom for those you know the the the, the, the good thing about the distance was um the activities director had a cell phone and she would she would facetime i facetimed with my mom up to the day before she died she died at 7 a.m uh, 7 20 a.m the next morning um and uh there are people that talk about being with someone when they pass and how it's beautiful and i'm like no death is not beautiful my father died in my arms um my father w had cancer and um, he wasted away to nothing. And I felt him take his last breath. It was the most traumatic thing ever because, you know, this was somebody, and I was young. I was only 21 when my dad died. So um, young too. that experience. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it, and that, that image never left me. Um, and it's not that I, you know, I don't want to see somebody pass a crossover, but the flip side to that was, going to the nursing home an hour after mom passed and they were like, well, do you want to be with the body? Do you want to, you know, take mm -hmm. your belongings? And I, said, and, and I remember saying, well, what do people do? I don't know. I, I, and, and I really didn't know. Um, they said, yeah, people usually do come and sit with the body. So I, I get into the room and she's naked under a plastic shroud. She, oh. she's, she's, it, it was, it was like this, cold antiseptic it was, there, there was nobody there to greet us there was nobody there to comfort um one of the nurses walked in and said sorry and then you know the 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 maintenance man was like are you going to be long we have to move the body to the 
And and I was like, oh. Are you going to be long? Really? Yeah. Are you going to be long? Really? Um, yeah. Please hold on. Let me give me. Yeah. My mother just passed. You know. Yeah, let me think about it. Uh, you know. <laughs> It, yeah, it was it was ridiculous in the in in the in the um, lack of uh, empathy in the moment, and I totally understand. You know, d different religions deal with death differently. Um, when I was growing up, you know, the funerals that I did attend, my father, my grandmother, you know, you see these people go through horrible, horrible uh, illnesses. Yeah. And they're, they're almost like human skeletons. And then you see them in the casket and they're, 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 they're perfect. They look like they're going to sit up and talk to you. And it's the, it's very like the, you know, the, 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 the cosmetology and the embalming and things like that, that goes on. Um, and, you know, learning about that through my life was like, that was even more traumatic because they looked normal. They looked like they did in life. And that was, you know, I, that's wrong too. It's wrong, exactly. So there's no, and and different cultures deal with death differently, and it, there's no right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. um, Although and, that look like a clown. Oh, you mean the the people that are cosmet the cosmetized incorrectly? Oh yeah, yeah. My father had a smirk. He had oh. this. Yeah, this oh. like like corner of his lip turned up. And, and it wasn't bad because my dad was a silly man as well. Um, and I, I get a lot of my humor from both my parents. Both my parents were, um, were very funny people. Um, my dad was mostly, my dad was a, a guitarist, musician, country and Western musician. And Hee Haw was on in the house 24 seven, whenever that, whenever, whenever Hee Haw was on, we had Hee Haw on. So, and we loved the Carol Burnett show and we loved all those you know, what's that? Fan too. Laughing, yeah. So uh, that was my childhood, you know, and stand-up comics. Um, my mother would, you know, in the 80s, my mother would rent the stand-up comics uh, VHSs from the Blockbuster or whatever, the equal, quality, equal of Blockbuster. And Whoopi Goldberg, you know, Robin Williams, Billy Crystal. And we would play those just because it was, it was just a way to deal with with life, and you're listening to somebody's. All stand-up comedy is is somebody reflecting on life and how ridiculous some things are. Um, and uh, so through COVID, um, I started writing the book. But I but when mom started to get sick, she was traveling to and from the ER a lot. So um, those visits to the ER before COVID were still busy. You know, people don't just you know just because there's a pandemic heart attacks don't happen, you know, it's like, of course, heart attacks happen, uh, you know, all kinds of injuries happen, people go to the hospital. Um, with co Before COVID, mom would, she would have different, uh, different things happen and have to go to the ER. So I would go sit with her because I didn't want her to be alone. She had dementia. She, I, it's, it's one thing to know that somebody has dementia and yeah. is, is in general, you know, okay with the people that are in the nursing home, but when you're in a strange place, she doesn't understand what's going on. You need somebody to advocate for her as well. So I'd be like, hey, my mom's in pain. Can somebody help her? She needs to go to the bathroom. Can somebody help her? You know, yeah. all these different things that I would, and so I would be there with her sometimes as many as 18 hours um, overnight. She would sleep through a lot of it, but I would write and I would write and I would confirm stories I would get her to talk. I would get her to tell me these little nuggets, uh, and my, you know, and it became what, what stories end up in my book. You know, um, you know, like I was telling you before, my first words, uh, you know, and just the ridiculousness of some of the stories that come out of uh, the, um, uh, you know, come out of my mother, my mother's mouth, and the hashtag shit my mama says is out there. And she has a lot of them. She has a lot of coined phrases. Um, and, you know. Uh, so check out that hashtag. Yeah, if you, if you look shit my mama says, uh, <laughs> you can find it on, you can find some of them on Facebook and find some of them on Instagram. But yeah, they were mostly how I would deal with watching her disappear. Um, you know, and dementia is a horrible, horrible disease. 
because mm-hmm. it takes away different parts of, of your memory. My mother thought that it was 1960 and she had a, a green DeSoto in the parking garage in the hospital and that's where she was gonna go drive home. Um, you know, so she didn't know what time frame it was in, but she knew who I was, she knew our relatives, she knew my cousin Lynn, um, you know, so she she was she was cognizant about certain things and other yeah, things were just yeah. Yeah, and I was glad that she didn't remember some of those horrible things. So, and in the time period as well, you know, having having to deal with that. Um, but what, when I got sick- We right have terrible things in our life sometimes. Oh yeah, just a little. But it's what you, you know, this is the thing I've learned and this is something that's in, uh, and my book I, is, you know, I love the, I love the image of the treasure box because my book is my treasure box. It's, it is, it's the treasure that my mother died with $17 in her dresser at the nursing home. And she made that money playing bingo and they would play with, and so she had $17 and quarters. Um, our house, the home that I was raised in um, was sold. The, the, the home my grandmother and grandfather built was foreclosed. So she lived with my brother for a while and then she moved up with me and she had one suitcase. Mm-hmm. And I tried to try to, you know, make her, I tried to do the things that she did for us when we were kids. I made Christmas special. I made Halloween special. I would bring her treats. Um, she loved peanut butter and chocolate. So um, if she was drinking right now, she'd be having a peanut butter chocolate martini with me, but she loved these little cakes. Um, uh, they're chocolate covered. They like chocolate covered Twinkies with peanut butter filling. Um, and I would bring them to her and, uh, and she just, that was her, that was her, that was our little thing. Like I would bring her peanut butter chocolate ice cream as well. And we would sit and watch TV together and just, just talk. And I would videotape some of them and then some, you know, and then there'd be others that I would just write what she said. And, um, because you just don't know when that's going to be, you don't know. I thought I had more time. I honestly thought, because she kept bouncing back. I yeah. thought I had more time. And then and, COVID hits. And then COVID hits and then you have no time. And then you have nothing but your thoughts and you have nothing but your memories. And if you don't write them down, you're gonna start forgetting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that when I started this whole process, the stories that started to come back were, it reminded me of the movie, A Christmas Story. And if you think of a Christmas story, those ridiculous family things that happen that you, you know, the crazy bloodhounds from next door, you know, and the the turkey falling off the table and the bloodhounds coming into your house. I mean, the story of the, of Lucky the pig, you know, um, we had, we, uh, legend goes, this is before my time. Uh, My grandmother had uh, a lot of pigs and one pig, the stud, um, the only male pig um, was named Lucky, aptly, aptly named. Um, and Lucky was the, was trained and Lucky would sit, he would beg, he would roll over, but he was also allowed in the house and he would sit by the fireplace. And there, there was a picture at one time. I don't know. I don't think, I think we lost it in the foreclosure because a lot of, a lot of our belongings are gone. Um, but there was a picture of this giant pig with a baby sitting on it. And I think it was me. Um, but Lucky also had, uh, had sired many litters of pigs. And one time he let, he let, a litter of pigs into the house and, the ha- and they went scrambling through everything and they uh, pulled things out of the closet. They opened up the refrigerator and then my grandmother came home and looked and there's these 12 or 13 pigs running around with flour all over them because they had been into everything. And Lucky still passed out asleep in front of the fireplace. So, <laughs> so, um, so those stories that I, that mom told me that were, you know, and how ridiculous they are reminded me of the movie uh, Christmas Story. So as I was writing, I started to get that little bit of, you know, the way that that story is told in the film by the the, the guy playing Ralphie. Um, so it was kind of like my character, my character, my Ralphie character in Escape to Ravioli Mountain is narrating this crazy story about, you know, being conceived on a beaver dam and you know pigs and and ducks and the garden and and you know. Um, just they're 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 silly little anecdotes that help the reader connect with not only the recipe but connect with your family connect with your legacy Uh, and if you don't have a legacy make one yeah you know if you don't if you can't find it make it and that's the that's the 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 thing that um struck me about everything is that i'm 
I'm very resilient and I'm not, I wasn't ready to die and COVID wasn't going to take me out. And as sick as I was, I didn't tell anybody either. That was the other thing. You know, we're in this social media era where the minute somebody posts something online, everybody has to gravitate towards that post. And, oh my God, are you taking vitamin D? Are you taking vitamin C? Oh my God. Oh my God. Do you need anything? Do you need chicken soup? Do you need chicken soup? Like, can you find chicken soup? It's like on the black market for like a hundred bucks. You know, they were selling. No, that was the other thing. People were selling Lysol spray for a hundred bucks a can. Like you'd walk down towards the supermarket and there'd be a table and they were charging like $35 for one thing of Clorox wipes because they could, not because it was right, but because they could. And that pissed me off. And I said, you know what? I can make my own. I can take a roll of paper towels, peroxide and alcohol and water, and I can be just as clean as this can. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be taken advantage of because we're in a global pandemic. Um, you know, so, so that really pissed me off that the whole thing is that it brought out the, that changed, right? That what's that good thing that changed. Yeah. That and people hoarding toilet paper. Yeah. Like we literally had no toilet paper on the shelves. And when we did find toilet paper, we would have, we were only allowed two rolls. You're only allowed to buy two rolls. So every time we went to the supermarket, we would buy two rolls and we stocked up. And then eventually the stock caught up. I still don't know why. Do people poop that much? I don't know. I you know, don't. maybe they poop more during a pandemic. I don't know, but um, uh, <laughs> this, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but my, you know, seriously, I was like, I, it's a big question. <laughs> it's like it's like the silly thing. As soon as the you know the first thing that the, the New Yorkers, as soon as the snow starts, oh my God, get to the store and get milk and bread. Why are you making milk sandwiches? What are you going to do with milk and bread? You know, you know so it's, it's it's the ridiculousness of it all. Um, Maybe, and here, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I I think I pooped the same um, that I did before the pandemic than I did after. I don't know. Maybe there's some study out there, but people were hoarding toilet paper and they were jacking up the prices of Lysol and Clorox wipes. Everything. Um, and people were scared enough to buy it. Yeah. Um, if you had the resources and you could do that, great. I don't. I don't. I don't make a million dollars a year. I make mm-hmm. enough to survive and support my family. You know, I'm not going to. Uh, uh, I'm not going to try to get sucked into some kind of uh, frenzy. And and you know, that yeah. just that that and was just part. Awesome. Of, that was that was the bad. That was some one of the things that was like that's the the ugly part of this situations like people are suffering and you're jacking up the price and you're hoarding, you're hoarding hand sanitizer that we couldn't get hand sanitizer. I had to, I had to steal some from work. You know, I had to go to them. We had a, we had, we had these big pump jars and I had to fill up my little jar, which was fine. I wasn't stealing. You know, my boss would never, would never say, just take it. You need it. Be safe. Um, but we weren't, you know, it, that was horrible. Um, but yeah, you make out with you you getting covid how did that work out for you well it, well it was i lost 18 pounds which i wish i still had off but i gained it all back um but i lost 18 pounds i lost all my my sensation of taste and uh and smell um mm-hmm. i had no appetite i had fevers every four hours i would have a headache and a fever and then every about six hours i would get this clear head burst of energy and I had to go, you know, I can run a marathon. And then an hour after that, right back down, high fever, can't move, can't walk. Um, and that was, on for days and days? It was, two, it was six whole weeks completely. Wow. Um, the, within the first two weeks, um, I, a friend of mine, God bless her, she reached out and she's like, are you okay? She's like, you're not yourself. I don't, you know, I know your mom just passed, but you don't seem like yourself in your posts and things online. And and I was trying to vague book so that people could get the idea, but I also didn't want to say, hey guys, I had COVID. Um, But I also didn't want to, I didn't want to alarm people. I also, it was so scary at that moment because we didn't, we didn't have um, sufficient government that was actually taking care of us. So I was scared to even be in that. I was turned away from the ER and I was turned away from urgent care because I could breathe. Oh, 
Yeah, they wouldn't, They and also they wouldn't let me in the door. They're like, go home, call your GP, come back if you're critical and can't breathe. That's the only thing we can do for you right now. We're gonna give you Tylenol and put you on a gurney in the hallway. People are dying in the hallway. And that in itself, hearing that was like, okay, yeah, I can breathe. I'm sick. I was, you know, I was pretty down for the count. But when I heard people are dying in the hallways, they don't even get to a room. I knew that I could walk to the ER and I could walk to the urgent care, which is around the corner from my house and I could get back. Right. So I knew I wasn't as sick as, as I thought I was. So that was the good part. It was, it was terrifying because you, you know, every single day we'd have the, uh, the governor and the mayor do their press conference and they tell you how many people are in the hospital, how many people have died. And that number went from like a hundred to over a thousand a day. That's a thousand families a day that were dying. People were dying in those families. Um, and I, I don't know how people can, you know, come up with a number because there are so many people that have, that have passed in that time period. Um, and also COVID does weird things. Your toes can turn black. Um, I lost all the hair on my arms that has now grown back. I now have my hair on my arms. Weird, yeah. uh, chunks of hair would come out of my head. Um, not the normal, like few, few hairs in the sink when you brush your yeah. hair. I mean, we're talking clumps. I would just pull and an entire clump of hair would fall out. Um, so this one friend reached out and I said, yeah, I have COVID. I've been talking to my GP. I'm trying to maintain everything. Um, my GP also put me on Tamiflu, which did nothing. That's how we knew it was COVID, but there were no tests. So it wasn't like I could be tested. So my friend, my beautiful friend, her name is Phoenix. She sent me uh, overnighted from a farm in upstate New York, uh, the Twee Fontaine Farm, herbal remedies. Mm. Um, and all the herbal remedies to boost the immune system. Within three days of taking those herbal remedies, my fevers went to almost zero. My headaches went to almost zero. I got my taste back within three days. One of, one of the things is called fire cider. Um, and you can make it yourself. It's actually pretty easy to make. Um, but it, uh, but this, this farm makes these herbs. But they all trigger your immune system. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about taking Tylenol and vitamins, and that's it. That's all the treatment that you could have gotten. But here was a farm where, where you know, if it, if it was a placebo, then, I, then I, I healed myself. But I can tell you firsthand, every single person that I know who has told me they got COVID and I've sent them the same herbs, they've all gotten better. Um, I'm not an advocate for that farm. I don't, I don't, I don't have any stake. I don't have any, I don't have any stock or anything like that. I'm just saying that they, whatever they're doing, it worked for me. And, um, and I encourage people that if you want to, if you know anybody who's got COVID and is still able to, to get that, call them, call the farm, get, get the immune, the immunity, um, there's an immune booster pack. It's like $40. It's not even that expensive. Um, they have other things too. And they have things for your hair. Cause my hair, it's, I got the spray to bring my hair back and it worked. Oh, cool. So these herbs triggered my immune system. And I got, and then when I got tested for antibodies, I tested positive for antibodies. So I knew that that's what happened. I had COVID. And then I tested again in August and I still had antibodies and I tested December 8th and I still have antibodies. So that mean? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying that in the time period that you get COVID, you're only, you only have the antibodies three to four months from what I understand, but I've had them the whole time. I, I don't know if I still have them, um, but I know I had them in December because I was tested. So um, I'm a real advocate for people really, you know, do things that work and take trigger your immune system because that was mm -hmm. the only and and now that I have that knowledge, I'm able to send you know to 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 send a package of herbs to people, you know uh, the, they're liquid so they're, they you mix them with water or juice and it's like you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work if it works for you but every single person has recovered.
and every single person feels better within a few days of starting those. Now, granted, they taste awful. It's 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 plants and it's cider and and apple cider vinegar and all that stuff, but it worked. Whatever, you know. Um, and so that that's part of my plan, my backup plan going forward, um, is really being prepared and helping people be prepared by sharing that information. Um, and again, um, I had no idea, you know, I, I still have no idea what my actual backup plan is if something happens again. But I will tell you that it's not, it's not something that's far from my mind every single day. What do I do if? Because, because yeah. it came so close to you, right? Yeah, because I could have, you know, I could, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a book right now. I would be, I would be dead. You know, I would be, I would be in, in the afterworld and I would have no legacy. And again, that's what, what, what I really, really want to encourage people to do. Um, you know, first, when my book is published, please buy it. Um, <laughs> but second of all, take the lesson. <laughs> Take the lessons that we learned during this time, yes. you know, that we can do things virtually. We can, we can stay connected virtually. That's one thing. Um, we can, uh, we can still make stories together. We can still make theater together. Um, it's going to be a while before Broadway comes back. I'm, I miss, you know, I miss working in theater. That's one of my, one of my side jobs is working on Broadway. Um, and working in theater. I mean, Broadway is like the pinnacle. You get there when you get there. And the work that I've done on Broadway, I'm very proud of. But it's minuscule compared to what the actors do. I wish I could be on the stage with them, but I do most designs, design stuff. And um, because I, the years that I worked in the circus as an acrobat, I have now translated that into what I do with theater, where um, I did the uh, Broadway musical Pippin, where I trained people to do trapeze and aerial hoop and different different aerial apparatus and things like that. Um, so those kind of things are. Um, passion is it? Do you it, think it, it's very passion? It's it's a passion, but it's also it was what defined me for the for most of my adult life. I'm in my fifties now, and you know I don't have the acrobatic body that I used to have. You know. What <laughs> and it doesn't fly very well, so um, you know. And I'm limited on what I can do. I also one of the side one of the things that's blindsided me through this whole process is now I need hip replacement because my Aww. my my rheumatoid arthritis is so bad, and you know it's it's coming with age. Um, so that's going to change my acrobatic world. So I took the time with the pandemic and the. Uh, uh, the time that we, you know, that we have, um, I took that and I put it into my writing and getting those stories out, but also testing recipes. You know, I'd leave bags of food on my door. Excuse me. Um, my friend Susie, who is uh, a mentor of mine, um, she's also an author. And so she's sort of been my mentor through this whole process. And, uh, She's been my food taster as well. So I would also, I would, I would say, hey, Susie, I just made white pizza with black garlic and, you know, and the blah, 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 blah. And then I, there's this great lentil soup and I'm going to put that on the, so I put it on the door and then she would, you know, and then as things started to get better towards the summer, um, I was testing out my, 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 my infused alcohols. So I would open up our garage door and I said, Susie, come over for socially distant cocktails. And we would spend a Sunday chatting and then we'd have, you know, whatever the, you know, if it was key lime vodka or um, pink grapefruit tequila, I would make that happen. And then we, and I would tweak the recipe, you know, she would give me her honest opinion. And uh, she's not really a drinker, but she really loved the ideas of the recipes that I was bringing because they were very refreshing. Mm -hmm. and, um, and different. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's something, and it's something that anybody can buy a bottle of vodka, but if you use a couple of just things that are in your pantry, you can turn that vodka into pepper vodka and make the most amazing Bloody Mary. You can take some fruit and zest a lime and let it sit in the fridge for five days and you have key lime flavored vodka, oh, which nice. is delicious. Mm. Um, so, so you know, so Susie became sort of like my, my mentor, my, 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 my product tester, but I also cook live on Instagram 
And that was great because my friend Keith wanted to learn more about, about my recipes. So we would cook, we cook my mushroom lasagna. We cooked my grandmother's bolognese sauce. My friend Laura and I cooked my, my grandma's marinara sauce together because she does not know how to cook, does not like to cook, but her son absolutely loved it and he hates tomato sauce. So in the, in the, in the process, I connected with people while testing the recipes because that's part of writing a cookbook. I, you know, again, I know I'm not a writer, I'm not an editor and I'm not a chef. Um, what I do bring is a story and I bring a personality and my family has its own personality, which comes out in the cooking. And in, and I lived with my grandmother for part of my, my childhood. So I learned firsthand what is the secret to grandma's bolognese sauce. Absolutely. Uh, it's like, you know, that's the one thing you're going to have to buy the book for because it's very interesting. Um, but she had very specific Put things. Put the link down below, right? Um, well, when, my, when my, my book is not published yet. So what I would say is if you're interested in learning more about my book and getting on my mailing list, I'll be publishing in the next couple months. The okay. email is escape to ravioli mountain, all written out at gmail.com. Simple. That's the title of the book. And I'll put you on my mailing list. And uh, the website is being built as we speak. So I'm in the really the final push for this. Um, and doing podcasts like yours, um, really, it's really, it's been wonderful to listen to the other people that you've talked to and how they, you know, the other thing, you know, it's not just COVID. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that can, you know, like like they said to me at the hospital, just because COVID happened doesn't mean heart attacks don't happen, doesn't mean injuries don't happen, doesn't mean strokes don't happen. Those are all happening while COVID is flooding the hospitals. And that was, you know, that's why I, my hat goes off to all the frontline healthcare workers. Um, yeah. They are they are our true American heroes. Um, and, uh, you know, the... the and Amen yeah. to that. what's that? Amen to that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah. So um, your Instagram page. My Instagram is at Flying Bobby, and it's spelled out this at Flying Bobby because I used to be a flying trapeze artist. Um, but that's uh, that's the page that has my recipes. It has my live Instagram. It also has stuff about what I've worked on on Broadway. Um, there is another Instagram page called at Bobby Hedgeland Taylor, which is just a resume page, which just has all my theater work on it. It's sort of separate. Um, but if you're really interested in, in cooking and I'm, and if anybody's interested in cooking live with me, I'll do, uh, you know, I'll send you the list of the recipes that I still need to, uh, do another little, uh, zhuzh on, um, and we can cook live together. I, I love connecting with people. I love, you know, like that you can share a story. And you can share the same story over a meal. And while I'm educating people on how to how to make mushroom lasagna, which is a really good recipe if you like mushrooms, um, I um, you know that's just part of uh, that's the part of what comes. Really <laughs> oh my god, the drink recipes! I'm so proud of. And my friend Paul taught me how to do those. We, um, we go to a festival called Burning Man. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a crazy festival here in the desert. Um, it's not really a festival. It's more like a, a social experiment, but it's 70,000 people in the middle of the Black Rock City desert in, uh, outside of Reno. And um, it's just a big party. And it's, it's, but um, we connect with so many different people out there. And, and one of the things that we do is we Paul, my friend Paul taught me how to make uh, infused alcohols out there. He makes some amazing bourbons. Um, he also taught me how to make um, the my favorite one of my favorite infused uh, alcohols is uh, mango cinnamon, and it is oh. delicious. Uh, it's one of the yeah, best. Those two go together. That you wouldn't think so, but it's it's the it's the 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 um. You use up one whole mango and a half a teaspoon of cinnamon, and in 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 a Ziploc bag, and just put it in your freezer refrigerator for five day, five to seven days, and then you strain it, and it's delicious. And most of these most of the infused vodkas, infused alcohols, don't require a lot of sugar, a splash of club soda, and it's just very refreshing. Nice. Um, so yeah. So I'll have so, to add your Instagram page down below in the oh, description. Sure. 
for people. Yes, please do. And the, mm-hmm. and have you know, and people can email me uh, if you have if you want to get you know. Uh, I will be as soon as I as soon as I um, as soon as the book gets published, I'll have I think ninety days to do pre-sale. So I'll get a lot of the pre-sales taken care of, and of course, those pre-sales will be um, uh, will be um, you know, if you want it autographed, of course, I would autograph it. But again, like I said, I'm right at the end. I'm in that last push, that last part of, of the publishing process. So, um, and it's really fun to connect with people to share that process because I really want people to write, you know, you mm-hmm. also, everybody has a cell phone and every, almost every cell phone has auto dictation. I wrote most of my book through auto dictation on my cell phone. I would get just something would pop into my head and I'd stop and record and then just send it to myself and then I'd go through and line edit it. You do have to watch because sometimes it has a mind of its own and sometimes it decides, you know, when you say the word script, it says scrotum. Just so you know. <laughs> I was I was texting a person, I said, I have a script on my nightstand, and it and it came back and said, I have a script on my nightstand. And she said, Do you, you sure you want to do that? <laughs> you want to put that away? I wouldn't leave that out. <laughs> hey, so you know you're working on now, Bobby. I hear that you are a little good at voices. <laughs> I am, yes. Uh, so I do a lot of stand-up outside of my other stuff it's just part of i mean it's not something i do professionally but i it's something that i do the circuit with and i love it i fell in love with it a friend of mine asked me to um, be her officiant at her wedding and she said there are two provisos one you have to share the officiating duties with my friend tanya and you both have to dress as sunny and share and sing i got you babe live so we did. We went to a coach. Christina Bianco is amazing. If you've ever seen her, she's an amazing vocal coach. And I fell in love with it. And it was just like, I love my mother. If there's anything my mother and my father gave me is the gift of laughter. And, the, and there's nothing more intoxicating than hearing people laugh. So, um, so yeah, so I, I have some things coming up. Uh, Can you do some of that for us? Um, well, what, what would you like? Would you like me to, uh, to, to, to is it time for Carol? Not yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean. Can you I'm, do it about you, babe? Oh, uh, well, as Sonny Bono, um, it's funny because I didn't, I didn't even think about Sonny, but Cher is, Cher is very much like Elvis and she's in there. And Sonny's up here. <laughs> so they're both there, you know, um. And then there's other kids, and she's right there. And and you guys, uh, seriously, I am totally seriously a cutney. Um, <laughs> and who, uh, um, then there's Kermit the Frog here, um, coming to you live from Queens, New York, um, <laughs> from the throat of Bobby Hedgelin Taylor. I don't know him. Um, so that yeah. So uh, if you. Again, if you look at my YouTube page, you can hear me singing "Let It Go" as fourteen different characters. That's all. Awesome. Oh. So, so, what else are you working on right now, or what do you well, see here? Um, there's a couple of things coming up. There, well, before the pandemic, I was working on a new off-Broadway musical, and um, it was about female superheroes, and it's called Super You. It's one of the most fantastic rock musicals. I've been with the company for quite a while. We've been working on this for almost ten years. Um, but I designed the aerial flying for it. And there's one character who does a lot of flying. Um, circus stuff. I also work with another uh, gentleman who does the the harness and cable stuff flying. Um, his name is Paul Rubin. And he's incredible. And he did all the flying in uh, shows like Peter Pan and Wicked. And so he does the, the cable stuff. And I do the circus stuff. Um, but Super U is still, we're, you know, as soon as theater comes back, uh, it's a really important musical because it's about female empowerment, and um, there, in there, the Super You musical is on uh, Instagram as well. You can see um, there's clips from the show past some of the songs. The music is stunning. It's some of the best rock music you've ever heard. But it's about a girl who suffers a loss and um, and then gets in a bad relationship. And she draws with her, she used to draw with her brother superheroes. 
in act two, the superheroes come to life. So that's where all the fun parts. So they're in her head in act one and act two, they're actually like kicking her butt saying, you know, you got to get out of this relationship. We got to fix this. You're, you're better than this. And so it's really fun. It's a really fun, beautiful, beautifully. It's written by Lords Lane, um, directed by Joanne Hunter. Um, and uh, we have a fantastic team. And so that was what we were working on. We were supposed to open May 28th off-Broadway at the Daryl Roth Theater and uh, with hopes to move to Broadway. We have a great producing team. Melissa Jones is one of the best producers ever. She worked on Jagged Little Pills. She's worked on other musicals, but she is like, she's one of the first people that called me when my mom passed. Ah. The producer of a Broadway musical that you're working on. I would have called you if I had have known you. Not, but like I got relatives, but out of the blue, I was like, who does that? Like, yeah, you get a call, you get an email, but she just picked up the phone and was like, are you okay? Do you need anything? I'm so sorry. You know, you know, you know, we don't know what's going on with the show right now, but you know, we love you. And that was like, and that's all I needed to hear. And, you know, so, and sometimes that is all you need to hear. And, yes. and you can, you, you know, and picking up the phone and actually calling somebody and saying, I love you. I hope you're okay. Do you need anything? Okay. Bye is sometimes just enough. And so with that project, you know, that was so special to me because it, it's something I'm passionate about too, is about telling stories in the air, using the human body as a paintbrush. So a circus apparatus is no longer a rope, a piece of fabric or a circle of steel. It's now a storytelling device. So um, I'm very passionate about that kind of structure. And I do a lot of sketches. Um, not really good at sketches. They're mostly stick figures, but I get the idea of what shapes uh, the body wants to make into in that nonverbal communication. Well, it's um, like dance choreography. Yep. I was a dancer for a very long time and I use a lot of, of my work in the air. So, um, cool. yeah, so that, that is, that is, uh, you know, obviously the book when it gets published probably between now and May cross fingers, we get everything uh, on the board. Um, and then um, theater should be coming back between June and September. So oh, I would su suspect that Super U would be on that list uh, by the fall. Okay. Um, but check it out. Check it out now. And they have a really active Instagram page. They, they love to share um, music. So they're doing this thing where you get one of the songs. And if you, if you download the sheet music, and sing it, they, they share, you know, the, the one song is called To My Angels. And it's about when the character Katie is so down that she's calling to her angels and they're right there in the comic books. They're her angels. So it's really beautiful. It gives me chills to think about it. And I can't wait to see it fully realized in an off-Broadway uh, house, on a Broadway house really, because um, it's really special. It's very, very meaningful. And I think that enough people need to hear that story. Male or female, it doesn't matter. You can identify with a superhero and the superhero is really you in the long run. And um, I've got to, you know, if there's one thing that people can learn about me, I'm a yes man. Not in a yes man where I'll say yes to anything. I say yes to the challenges. I say yes to changes. I say yes to things that scare me. I say yes to things that, you know, like I, I'm not a chef, I'm not an editor, I'm not a writer, but I wrote a book oh. and you're gonna like it and it's gonna be funny. <laughs> so, yeah. And if you come see me live sometime and, I, and you see my stand up, you'll laugh. And if you don't laugh, you're, you're just not human. You're just not. <laughs> How can people not laugh? I don't understand it really. Well, like I said, I was on another podcast interview uh, last night and um, the woman said that her mother said every day, Chocolate and laughter. That's the only way to get through. Chocolate and laughter every day. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get chocolate peanut butter martini right now, and I'm going to go laugh. <laughs> you got to add the peanut butter part in there too. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And that's the other thing that's really fun is just be creative. Use this time to be creative. Well, um, I am amazed at the story because no one understands what you guys went through in February, March. I know one of my podcasts that I did earlier on was she went in for surgery um, 
in New Jersey um, and came out of her room after surgery and she thought she came into a different world. Mm -hmm. It just happened so quickly. Yeah. And I don't think some of us really felt that impact um, in Canada anyway. We felt the impact on deliveries and we felt the impact in the grocery stores. Um, and I know the hospitals were bombarded, but I don't think we experienced what you saw yeah. as much as, you know, what was there. And I just don't think, I don't think anybody was prepared for it. And I also feel like it is a wake up call to the rest of the world that this can happen and this can happen again. And, and again, and again, and it's good to, to have a backup plan. You know, I went to college for, I went to college to, to be an English teacher and I ended up in the circus. So I had a backup plan, <laughs> but a funny circus person. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, someone's got to do that. You used your English. You used your English to good words. Well, I, I honestly didn't use any of it because my grammar is horrible. And uh, <laughs> I'm the king of the run-on sentence, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> so, Do you have a funny story to tell us before we go um, of your in your book about your mom or anything? Um, well, uh, there's there's so many small little little tidbits that mom, you know, um, you know, she had her little, uh, she had her sayings, her shit my mama says, and they are, they are pretty, um, they're pretty epic in themselves. And, um, you know, I, I really feel like there, there is a, uh, like there's a whole book of her sayings to be <laughs> just, just in general. Um, uh, like mom on, uh, mom, mom messaged me on, uh, in 2017, she said, Bobby, I need some Tums. And I said, mom, I just bought you a whole bottle a few weeks ago. And mom said, I use them. I said, what the hell, what, what are you using them for? She said, what the hell do you think I did? I put them on my salad as croutons. <laughs> <laughs> so then mom started hoarding soda at the, the, the nursing home. And I said, she hands me three six packs of ginger ale. Bobby, take this soda. I can't drink it. I piss my brains out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she was hiding soda. She would also, she would steal silverware and put them in her in her underwear drawer. So I would go in and I would fold her clothes and I'd lift, literally lift up a, 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 a pair of underwear and all this silverware would fall out. Whatever she had about that. That was a funny. What's that? I don't know. I don't know why she, she, just, she probably... Um, she probably just, you know, thought that she needed it for later or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my favorite mom, my favorite mom story is my, um, um, up until a year before she passed, mom had her own cell phone. She had a flip phone. She didn't, she wasn't able to do. So whenever I would ask, I would be like, mom, where's your phone? And she'd grab her breast and she'd say right here between the only two suckers I can trust. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, she, you know, she could trust them anyways. Yeah, you know, so she had, you know, she she had her way, and it was, it was just like, you know, no. you know, I'd say I'd, I'd call her and say, "Mom, would you like me to bring you some coffee?" No, coffee makes me piss my brains out. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay you and, really doing it like it is. Yeah, she's that. That was her, and so it was like, you know, um. The, 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 she just had her way and, and, oh, and uh, <laughs> so I, 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 every now and then I would, I would call her Principessa, which is a princess in Italian. So I'd go in and I'd say, buongiorno Principessa. And she would look at me and say, who the hell are you calling princess? So <laughs> I'm like, okay, mom, you know. <laughs> Not a good day today, is it? <laughs> yeah, so, so, so those were some of, you know, like they're little, they're little tidbits about her, you know, that those those little nuggets are what I call um, you know those are those are my that's my treasure box because that's what I have with my mom, and that'll always be there. That's and awesome. um, we haven't had her her funeral yet, um, so when I do bury her ashes next to my dad, 
we're going to have all of her sayings on little note cards on every chair. And, um, and, and she, she wouldn't want it to be sad. She want, would want people to be laughing and having fun. And I'm, you know, to, to honor her memory, I'm totally going to do that for her. Uh, so it's probably going to be her, 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 her funeral will probably be in, in August, her birthday's August 8th, August 7th. So I'll probably, that's probably when we, when we'll do, do that. But, you know, she was a very funny lady and, um, wow. those stories are just, you know, they're, they're, they're priceless. So. Yeah. And that's what I always tell everybody is the priceless part. Yep. Memories that you Absolutely. can hold dear to your heart. Absolutely. And, and it's not like, it's not sad. I know that that's odd talking about my mother who's passed on, but she forced me to be happy. She yes. forced, she forces you to laugh at her. Yes, I miss her. I miss her every day. But the comfort that I get from just those memories, she's yeah. with me. She's with me yeah. always. So. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Bobby, um, it's that time again. It, is it that time? Do you, do, is it time for me to? to and we're going to, to use Bobby. We're <laughs> going to use Bobby's skills to do our song this time, everybody. So I'm so thrilled to have Bobby on today. Thank you. Um, thank you so very much for coming on to our podcast and our live broadcast this week for everybody that gets to hear you and laugh and everybody needs to do that right now. I hope that you've been inspired and motivated. Um, and I really appreciate each and every one of our backup plan tribe to come out to if you missed it. You'll, you'll see it on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you. Um, and of course, Bobby can share it as well. Um, I want to tell everybody to prepare for the unexpected because you never know what tomorrow will bring. And laugh <laughs> and enjoy life and create your own legend, your own legacy that you would like to pass on just like Bobby is doing so bravely, so courageously and so beautifully because it means so much. And um, I always say Stephen King's um, little saying, his quote is no harm in hoping for the best as long as you are prepared for the worst. <laughs> and that's what COVID did to all of us this year. Because if we're prepared at all, we would have had toilet paper when we needed <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because people poop too much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So um, I always end with Carol Burnett, and I know Bobby is going to help us with this this week. Absolutely. Hit it, Bobby. Okay, so I'll start with Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Eric Cartman. And just before you start, before I don't know the lyrics, Comes the time we have to say, Mrs. Doubtfire, so long, puppets. It's been wonderful. And be well. And here's the Tasmanian devil just to send you off. Thank you, Groupy Dog says goodnight. <laughs> Oh, Zena, this is so much fun. I want to do it again. <laughs> Let me see. Elvis Pres oh. Uh, I'm so glad we have this time together. Just to have a laugh or sing a song. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn. And just before you find, and I don't know those lyrics, but I'm going to say, 
comes the time we have to say so long. So long. No, actually, Carol's got a very generic voice. She's kind of hard to do. Julie Andrews is really high as well. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're fun. I mean, I have 46 voices that I've, that I do. So, uh, and I'm working on more and, uh, the more coaching I get from Christina, the more, the better. So it's awesome. It's a fun, and if anything, it's a fun hobby I picked up. Oh, well, glad you enjoyed. <laughs> absolutely. There's nothing more than laughing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to be on your podcast. Oh, uh, thank you. Great time. And I'll tell my friends to listen in and subscribe. And above all, make your own treasure box and fill it with your with all of your treasures. So because you never know. You never know. Seriously. Seriously, I'm totally seriously. And screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Bobby. Thank, Thank you, listeners. You. Thank you so very much. Love you, Bobby. Love you. Love you back. I can't wait until we can hug in person. <laughs> I know. And I can't wait to come and see one of your shows. You will. You will. If we don't, if we don't, I'll bring it up to British Columbia. We'll find. We'll Absolutely, <laughs> we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> okay. Now, do I stay on here? Do I on? What do no, I do? And just end the broadcast, okay, and great. I'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. And this will be. When does this air? It's right now. Oh. And yay. the will be in March for the okay, audience. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, guys. I hope you enjoyed Saturday with Bobby. I'm looking forward to next week. Um, stay safe. Wash your hands. <laughs>